uh, good to be back. We got back here last Sunday, but um, good to be back today to be able to open up God's Word again, which is a real privilege and a blessing. Um, excited to see what God will do by His Holy Spirit through His Word, because that's where He works in our lives. Um, we open up God's Word and the Spirit takes hold of that Word and uh, breathes life into it and opens up our eyes to uh, see how great God is, how uh, glorious the gospel is. And we just sang that song, the gospel changes everything, and it truly, truly does. So we're doing a, a series of um, talks just for the next uh, four weeks, the short series. Um, just finished Jeremiah, uh, probably six weeks ago now. But uh, this one's four talks uh, to tackle some of the common issues that people uh, face in life or what people are thinking about. Uh, you know, sometimes there are some things in life that really dog our minds. Uh, there'll be certain times of life uh, when an issue comes along and we just don't seem to be able to shake it or it really does come in strong upon our minds. It's a bit like a dog with a bone. They just sort of hang on it and we just can't sort of shift from it. And I think one of those issues is the question of, who am I? Who am I? Uh, I reckon that's one of the issues that just revolves around from time to time in our life, who am I? So we're going to look at that one today, but over the next few weeks, we're going to follow that up with, what is my purpose in life? What's life all about for me? Uh, next, we're going to talk about, I'm an individual, but I don't want to be alone. And then we're going to finish up with, uh, what's the end game? What's the end game? Uh, but today, we're going to think about, uh, who am I? So if you've got your Bibles, please uh, go to Genesis. first book of the Bible. Hopefully you all knew that, but if you're a visitor and you've nev never been here before, we are so glad you're here at Exchange today. We love to see new people come. And even if you're not a person of faith, a Christian, uh, we are really glad you're here today as well because we want to welcome all people and uh, present to them who Jesus Christ is. So uh, if you've got a Bible, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We're going to read from uh, chapter 1. Just a handful of verses, and then chapter 5, a couple of verses as well. So verse 26, it says this, uh, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And uh, we just skip over to chapter 5. We're going to read the first three verses there as well. Uh, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, there's still hope for us yet, even though I'm only 50-odd. And then Adam lived 130 years... He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Lord, we just thank you today that we can uh, come and gather around your word and we think about this question, who am I? And we think about the beginnings. And uh, Lord, we, we pray today that you would just help establish these foundations uh, deep into our hearts and into our lives. So we would answer that question, who am I? Created by God in his likeness and image. We ask now, Holy Spirit, please, please help us to grasp this 
and to build off this as we uh, see this truth uh, unpacked today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In the world today, we are suffering an identity crisis. An identity crisis. We don't know who we are. Uh, And when I say that, I'm referring to this. We don't know who we are in the sense of where have I come from? As a general rule, we just don't know where we've come from. We don't know our beginnings. It's not as simple as saying, well, yeah, sure, I know, I'm a product or a child of my biological parents. I'm not saying from, come from there, but I'm saying looking further back and asking where we have come from. Where has life originated from? Sure, we may have come from our parents, but actually if we took that back, where did it all start? And when we lose sight of our foundations of who we are, we then lose sight of our identity. We don't know who we are. We have an identity crisis in the world today. And when we have that, we have this recurring question with this identity crisis. Who am I? Who am I? Perhaps one of the common things you'll see today on social media is people trying to make an identity for themselves. It's quite common for people to get on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or some of those other social media uh, platforms and they're posting all sorts of uh, photos and videos hoping to be noticed by other people. You'll see all sorts of things. They'll put up photos of where they're holidaying uh, or what cool place they've just gone to eat that night. You'll see a picture of the plate of food probably there as well. Or they've been to some amazing lake somewhere. You'll see a photo of that. Or there'll be some really trendy spot that like, Everybody goes to this spot, so someone takes their picture in this spot, that's where I've got to. You'll see these photos come up on Instagram and Facebook. Or sometimes people put up a photo of this brand new outfit they've just bought online from the Iconic. They've just got to show everybody my new outfit and post that up there. Other people, they'll put up a picture of their dog, or their cat, or their new car. Have you put up a picture of a dog or a cat? Have you? Oh, you have, that's all right. <laughs> Stay with me, Jenny, stay with me. Or they'll put up a picture of their tractor or their latest new toy. It's amazing what pictures people put up there. Now, those photos aren't wrong. They're not wrong, Jen, to put on Instagram or Facebook. But sometimes if we dig in behind that and ask ourselves, why has somebody posted that photo? Like, what's the motivation behind putting up that photo or putting up that picture or putting up that post, as we would call it today. Probably we'll get three different responses as we think about that. Maybe some people, like Jenny, are genuinely putting up there for interest for people to see their new cat or their new dog. Could be that. Totally okay. Other people's motivation, though, for posting photos is that they are seeking attention or they want to be noticed. It's a bit like, please, will somebody notice me? Will somebody please see me and what I'm doing? Others are posting these photos because they're trying to project an image. They're trying to put out an identity, perhaps of coolness. If you look at what I'm doing and where I've been, you'll think I'm cool, I'm hip, I'm trendy. And then perhaps you might want to follow me and jump on board and sort of become like me and the identity I'm sort of projecting on social media. You see, we can often project this image or identity because we've forgotten who we are or we've never known who we are in the first place. Those photos and places and things aren't who we are. They really aren't. 
They're just things we've done or we've purchased or we've seen. Those things don't define our identity, even though we may be trying to make some sort of identity out of that. We can also use other things to identify ourselves with at times as well. Things like this. I'm a banker. Or I'm a truck driver. I'm a doctor. Or I'm a cafe worker. Or I'm a lawyer. Or I'm a plumber. We can sort of use our career, as it were, to somehow identify ourselves. Like, that's sort of me. I'm a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or a cafe worker. Now, all those career paths are very, very good and I would encourage anybody to pursue those things because we need all those sorts of people in this world. Totally. But in a very real sense, again, none of those things define who you are. That's not you. You may be a cafe worker, as in that's what you do, but that doesn't define what your identity is. You see, if you and I try and build our identity or projecting an image on social media or trying to find my identity in a career path in life, I'll tell you where we're headed for. We're destined for a disaster. We're destined for a disaster. I read this really interesting story the other day out of the Herald Sun about mental health in our sporting community and it really highlights the fact where people are trying to build their identity out of the wrong foundations and it's causing all sorts of dramas. Here's what Justin Quill had to say in this article I read uh, the other week. Life in elite sport is tough and usually short. For example, average career length of an AFL player is only six years. The median number of games, or the average number of games, played is 19 Less than a third of all AFL players play over 50 games and then it's over. For most retired athletes, life on the other side is difficult. Many feel they go from hero to zero overnight. That's because, for the most part, their sport was not just a job, not even a lifestyle. Rather, it was their life, their identity. That's what Justin Quill, an ex-athlete, wrote in the Herald Sun just a bit over a week ago. And he's right on the money. He's right on the money. They go from hero to zero overnight and their life comes crashing down because AFL to them wasn't just a job or something they did on the weekends. It was their life. It was their identity. And it came crashing down. If you just look at the papers at the moment, there's a, uh, a massive um, build-up of mental health now in our sporting uh, athletes. Crashing down left, right and centre. See, this is the identity crisis that we have in the world today. And people aren't necessarily vocalising it out loud, but internally they're asking themselves this question. Who am I? Who am I? Often this may start early to mid-teenage years. They sort of leave being a little boy or a little girl and they develop into a a teenager. could be 14, 15, 16, thereabouts. And they can begin to think, who am I? And this is where the world starts very quickly at that age to tell them, you can be whoever you want to be. Just dream a big dream and you can be whoever you want to be. That's what the world tells them. Come and associate with us. Build your identity with us. And they're bombarded with these messages. You can be whoever you want to be. But they're still asking, 
Who am I? We have other various stages of life too where we ask the same question. Perhaps at midlife, that magic number of 40, we can ask ourselves again, who am I? Or another stage of life may come along, our kids may leave home and we ask ourselves again, who am I? Or we may reach the end of our working career, retirement so-called, and we might ask again, who am I? It's a question that just keeps coming back, keeps reoccurring. So here's the question we must answer today as we think about that. Because if we get this right, who am I? We can then build on a sure foundation that will stand the test of time. Okay, let's have a look at that. And we put this, pose this question out there now. To discover who we are, we must come back to the beginning of life. We must come back to the beginning of life. And this is what we discover in the Bible from the book of Genesis. Anybody know what the word Genesis means? It means beginnings. Beginnings. Uh, the word Genesis means beginnings, and Genesis is God's word on our beginnings where life has originated from. So what does God say here about the beginnings of humanity? Let's have a look at it again in verses 26 and 7 there of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Foundational key understanding of humanity. God is our creator. We are the created, male and female. You may have been told something else at school. You may have read something else in another magazine that somehow we crawled out of a swamp many millions of years ago. There's no mention of a swamp there. There's no mention of crawling. God created us. You may have heard also there was a massive big bang or explosion way back in the dim dark past and somehow life originated from that explosion. There's no explosion mentioned there. It says God created man in his own image and likeness. Male and female he created us. God in his genius created us. We are God's handiwork of his infinite wisdom. The human body is a marvel the way it works because it's been created by our marvellous God. Now it says there though also we are created in his likeness and image. That's really important, likeness and image. What does in his likeness and image mean when we think about that? Because again, if we can begin to grasp or understand that God has created us and that he's also created us in his likeness and in his image, then we'll discover who we are. We'll discover our foundations. So what does in God's image and likeness mean then for us? Firstly, it's an image of spirituality. It's an image of spirituality. One aspect of God's image and likeness created by us, stamped upon us, is that every human being is a spiritual being. Jesus met the woman at the well and he told her this about God and us. And it's in John chapter 4, verse 24. It says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
the essence and being of God is an eternal spiritual life source or source of life. That's who God is. God is a eternally existing, self-existing spiritual life force. Now we too are in that likeness and image. Every person has a spiritual part of us of which we cannot see. You can't see the spiritual part of me just like I can't see the spiritual part of you. You may see it working out of me but you can't actually see it as a physical thing. We all have a soul. Every human being has an eternal part of us given by God which is the life force within us that as it were drives our body through life. Our body's a vehicle. That's what it is. It's not unimportant. It's really important and we should look after our body, but our body's a vehicle. Paul talks about it as a tent, something we live in. We have a soul that exists or lives in us. This body, this vehicle will die. I will die. No question about that. I've only got to look at my baby photos and already see how old I'm getting and I'm getting older and I'm going to die one day. But in a spiritual sense... I will never die. I will never die. The soul is the eternal part of our being. Every human being is identified, part of your identity, as an eternal spiritual being made by God. This spiritual aspect of us is the part of us that actually connects with God. Now there's only two situations here. You're either spiritually alive or spiritually dead in that aspect. Now, we can't deny this spiritual side of us. It's there. Mankind down through the centuries has always reached out for something outside of ourselves, something to connect with in a spiritual sense. History's always showed us that. You can go study history books and go right back to ancient civilizations and they've all reached out in some spiritual way to connect with something outside of ourselves. Take, for instance, even our own indigenous culture here, the Aborigines of Australia. Before the first white settlers landed here, back in the 1700s, the indigenous people were already reaching out to and worshipping in a spiritual way beings or life forces outside of themselves before any inclusion of, say, Western civilization, as, as in the English colonists bringing Christianity here about worshipping God, they were already worshipping something because there's a spiritual part of us that God has placed upon us. This is who I am. I am an eternal spiritual being made by God. Another aspect here of this likeness and this image that is upon us and that is the idea of sonship or relationship with God that he's created within us. We've got to understand and see that God is a relational God. He's above and beyond us. We looked at this in youth on Friday night that he transcends all of humanity in creation. We are nothing like him in the sense of his magnificence and all of his attributes. But we do know that God is a relational God within the Godhead itself of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. A perfect relationship exists there of pure love and joy within the Trinity. This is a relationship of harmony that goes beyond even our BFFs. Best friends forever, you might see that sometimes people put a poster, BFF. Well, the Trinity goes way beyond BFF. 
we see this actual relational aspect here in Genesis 1, uh, where God uses different and special language to set apart our design against all other creation. We just saw there in verse 26, it was, let us make man. But through all the rest of the creation story, if you trace that back through the start of uh, Genesis 1, it simply says, each time God got to create something, and God said, let there be. And he creates day, and he creates night, and animals, and fish, and sea. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. But when it comes to humanity, male and female, there's a change in how God makes that decree or speaks out that command. He changes it to let us, not let there be, but let us make man. It's as though God is making a personal special point here that mankind is the pinnacle of his creation. His personal stamp upon us. There's an intentional focus here that we see about God when it comes to making humanity upon his creation here. And we see this, let us bring about a relational aspect into us as human beings. We probably see it clear in Genesis chapter 5 where it says this, this is the book of the generations of Adam where God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man where, when they were created. Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Verse 3 helps to see it there. It says there, Adam fathers a son in his own likeness and image. It's actually the same words that God uses in Genesis 1.26, likeness and image. But the picture we get here as we look at verse 3 in that passage is one of a relationship between a father and a son. It's Adam with Seth. He fathered a son in his own image and likeness, named him Seth. Again, as Joel read for us earlier on in the genealogy, he did leave the last verse there, which is really important, but we're going to say the last verse now. Uh, the last verse was this, Luke 3.38, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. A relationship there, the son of God. Who is Adam? Adam is God's son. He's not just a number or a thing. He's God's son. God refers to Adam as his son. That's the Holy Spirit inspiring Luke to write that for us. When God speaks in that way about Adam, it's communicating to us a very real sense of personal connection or personal relationship. God has an intimate and personal connection with Adam. He refers to him as his son. Now the same goes for us today, we're no different than Adam. In a very real sense, every human being, every human being is a child of God. Again, there'll be two children here though. We'll either be a rebellious child, living in all of God's goodness but refusing to acknowledge him as our Heavenly Father, or we'll be an obedient child, trusting in his love and kindness and following him as our father. 
there's two types of children, rebellious ones or obedient ones. So, who am I? I'm a son or daughter of God, created by him with an ability to have a relationship with him. That's who God is and that's how he's created us. Now, just those two aspects, there's a whole stack of information there. You could go and say we're moral, rational, and we are all those things as well. Totally, we are. But the two key important things are is we are eternal spiritual beings and made in a personal connection with God in our creation. But you may be asking, what does that, all that mean today as I think about that and want to apply that to my life and work it out through this week coming? Here's a couple of things to think about. Human life is precious. Human life has value. Every life has value. There are no second-class people uh, with God. All races, all nationalities, all tribes, all tongues are precious and valuable in God's sight. Christians care about abortion. Christians care much about abortion. When human life is murdered in the womb, someone is killing a son or daughter of God. We have no right to kill a baby when it doesn't happen to fit in with our plans or agenda. Just because it happens to be the wrong sex, which is why some people have bought babies. Or I just didn't want a baby at this time, so they go and murder the baby. It's happening. That baby's a precious son or daughter made by God. Human life is valuable. Every life has value. Which means when I'm feeling worthless and life is crushing me from many different directions, and just maybe, just maybe, suicidal thoughts are coming to me, the answer isn't to end it all. My life is valuable. And it does matter to God. He stamped his image and likeness upon me. And God does care about me despite what I'm going through right now. Life is valuable. Life is precious in God's sight. As well as an identity crisis in this world, there's another crisis growing right alongside it. It's called loneliness. It's actually the fastest growing problem in the world today. It's called loneliness. I got this care card uh, a few weeks ago from somebody who visited our church. It was brilliant. But it reflected to me loneliness as well. It said this, We are looking for a church where we can have acceptance, fellowship, where we can feel that we are part of no matter what our abilities or disabilities are. I could sort of feel someone was a bit lonely. They just wanted a place where they could be accepted and, and fellowship. It's amazing. We've never been in a world that's been so easily connected with modern communications. I can get on this thing and I can go tap, tap, tap and I can send a message to somebody in seconds. They may not respond, but I can actually at least communicate. We've never been in a world that's been so amazingly quick with communication. But at the same time, with all that connectedness, the world has never been so lonely either. It's a massive issue. It's actually got so bad that people have actually come up with websites 
called rentafriend.com. And they are getting overrun by people using them. And I'm deadly serious. Go on the internet, you just type in rentafriend.com and you can rent a friend for one hour, two hours, half a day or a full day. You don't want to go to a wedding alone because you've got no friends. You can rent a friend and you can take them to the wedding. There's no physical contact allowed, but you can actually just have this friend. Actually, I read it in, in a magazine, come back on, from Brisbane on the airplane the other night. Oh, I was astounded by it. And they're getting overrun with people just wanting to rent a friend because people are lonely. This loneliness stems out of our identity crisis because we've forgotten who we are and we've lost sight of our identity and we don't know where we fit in in life and then we become lonely because we just think we're a square peg in a round hole I just don't fit anywhere loneliness but you see when we discover who we are that we are children of God that gives us a very real sense of belonging I belong somewhere I'm not a square peg in a round hole When I discover that I'm a human being created by God, that I'm his child, I have reason, I have purpose for my life. It tells me that I belong to God. Even if it appears I don't fit anywhere else in this world, I still belong in God's family when I get that foundation identity of who I am and who God is. And as I say, church, this loneliness factor is massively real massively real. When we have new people coming to exchange here, we've got to be super switched on to welcome them. Super switched on to welcome them. We've got to be looking out for that new person, not knowing how lonely they possibly could be. We don't know what they've gone through to walk in through the doors of this church and sit down the back. We don't know how lonely they are, how vulnerable they are. We've got to be a lovingly welcome uh, people to welcome them here into our exchange family. As a church, we should strive to be known for that, which is gospel hospitality. How would that person feel if they weren't welcomed? Would it compound their loneliness? Here's a quick heart check for you. What happens in your mind when you see that new person here at Exchange? You're sitting here, you might turn around, you might just see that one person down the back and you haven't seen them before, What happens in your mind? What thoughts go through? Does your heart reach out and want to connect with them? Or do you just sit back in your seat and just stay in the holy huddle? Because Christ has redeemed us and we know who we are, we should be keen to welcome and connect with them to show them Jesus. That's what gospel-shaped love does. Loneliness. We get our identity right, God actually brings us into his family. Let me just change direction here for a little bit with this talk. Why do we have this identity crisis? Why do we invest so much energy to create an identity or image for ourselves on social media? Why do we have this loneliness epidemic sort of enveloping the world. And the result is this. It's because of a broken and lost spiritual connection to God our Creator. When that connection breaks, we're in trouble. We've lost ourselves. 
or the loneliness, the identity anxiety or the lostness or the I don't fit in here feelings, all stem from our broken spiritual connection that we actually let fall apart. You see, just as Adam and Eve, back at the beginnings, turned their backs on God, so have we. So have we. And when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, their spiritual connection died. It was severed. It was cut off. In actual fact, when that happened, they hid themselves from God as a sort of vivid display here of being cut off from God because they had turned their backs on who God was and who, who they were. And the result of that was they forgot who they were. They rejected who God was. They had this personal, intimate relationship with God in the garden. But they, when they rebelled against God's rule, this personal relationship actually just got disintegrated in one act of rebellion. They were now hiding from God. But God in his generous grace came looking for them while they were hiding and trying to stay away from him. God came looking for them and calling out for them to restore them again to spiritual life and personal relationship with him again. It's a picture of God's grace coming for those who are hiding. But the fact is today, we still live in a world suffering the effects of this broken identity crisis. We have turned away from God and we have actually lost ourselves in the process. That's why we have this, uh, have people feeling this epidemic of loneliness. That's why people are totally confused in their identity. That's why we have a homeless crisis in Shepparton. Today, as I read in the paper, Shepparton's got the highest homeless rate in all of Victoria. That's why we have an ice epidemic in Shepparton. People have lost their identity. That's why we have a growing, broken home life in Shepparton today. People have lost their identity of who we are and who God is. We've lost sight of the very foundations of life and who we are. And we try and reinvent ourselves or re-image ourselves as somebody else totally independent of God. But we can make our own life and do our own thing now. That will never work. If we try and do life separate from God and create our own identity, cut off from Him spiritually... It's doomed to fail in the long run. It'll happen. It will fail. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. God is still doing the same thing he did with Adam and Eve right back to the beginning today. God is still looking for people and calling them back to himself to be reunited him again, to reestablish their original identity again. God is people, calling people today to come out of the darkness of lost identity and loneliness and to come for him for relationship once more. God is still doing that. How does God do that today? He does it like this. He does it through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at this verse with me in John chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, we're talking about Jesus, who believed in his name put our trust in Christ, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That is God looking for people, revealing Jesus Christ into their hearts and in their lives, and they're being born again, as it were, back into children of God, 
true children of God, discovering their identity, discovering who their creator is once more. Out of this one decisive act that Jesus did at the cross, where all of our rejection of God was paid for by Jesus, we now have the ability to be reconnected once again to him as a true child of God, as a willing child of God, as an obedient child of God. Jesus enables us again to regain our lost identity through him. And we are welcomed back again into God's family, into his loving arms through what Jesus has done. And we get to experience in a real way through surrendering to Jesus and becoming part of his body, the church, we get to experience again what family is about. Knowing Christ and knowing his people. Who am I? Where are you today? Maybe you're asking that question. Maybe you just don't know who you are. Maybe you've just walked in here for the first time and you're just, that's me. I've got no idea who I am. Maybe you feel lost and you've got no idea where you belong. Maybe you're trying to make an identity for yourself. Maybe you're one of those ones who's just trying to scream out and put posts up there and say, look at me, look at me, trying to fit in somewhere in this world. But you just don't fit in. Where are you? Here's what you've got to do. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to turn away from rejecting God and rebelling against his ways. You've got to turn towards Jesus You've got to put your trust and faith in his death in your place for your sin and my sin. You've got to follow Jesus as your Lord and his gospel of truth to glorify him. And if you do that, if you do that from your heart, if you do that with authenticity, with reality, if you do that, you will be saved. You will be rescued. You will be found. You will find forgiveness, you will find love, you will find identity and you will find belonging and you will find peace and joy in the family of God. And you won't find it for a day or a week or a month or a year or a century. You'll find it for eternity because that's what God promises. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you this morning to uh, thank you and to praise you, God, that you are glorious. You are glorious. God, we open up the first pages of the Bible and we just see the foundations being built right from the outset. Our questions are answered, Lord, within the first chapter of the Bible, from the book of beginnings. Let us, you said, Lord, let us Make man in our image and likeness. God, I pray today, please, for those who are struggling, for those who are thinking, I've got no idea who I am. I've got no idea where I fit in. I'm moving through the stages of life and I just don't know where I'm meant to be or who I am. God, I pray, please, create that miracle in their heart today. Open their eyes up to who you are and what you have done for us through Christ so that we can be reconnected back to you again 
and we can truly see that we are an eternal spiritual being made to be in relationship with you through peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Please, God, perform those miracles that I pray. And God, I ask that and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.